We're going to be wrapping up our series in the book of Proverbs, Wisdom and Words. We began four weeks ago with two ways to walk, considering the way of folly or the way of the world and the way of wisdom, the Lord's wisdom, the fear of the Lord. Then we looked the following week at, at wisdom and words, and then we considered last week wisdom and work, and this week our topic is wisdom and wealth, wisdom and wealth. I know coming to a topic like this that it is filled with the baggage of abuse, especially if you've ever watched TV preaching. Uh, not all of it, but many times uh, in our day, this topic of, of possessions and money and wealth has been so just laden with abuse and selfish gain from those who preach on this. And so I'm hoping that this week we would find a corrective that there would be light that shines from your Bible and, and meets you as you hear the word of the Lord in these things. And so that is where we're heading this morning, wisdom and wealth. I'd like to pray as we dive into these many passages this morning, if you would join me. Father, we come to you this morning and we need a word from you. We need to hear authoritatively what you have called us to as it relates to that which you have given, that, what, uh, that which we have. We consider your many, many blessings. We are grateful for those, and yet there's more to, to think about and then to, to live out as you have blessed. I pray that we would be a people that would increasingly be sharp on this topic, that we would stand out from the culture around us that is just completely in the dark as it relates to uh, the, the pursuit of wealth and financial gain. Give us the courage, Lord, to do what needs to be done even in applying this sermon. We ask up front, Lord, we want to hear from you. We want to be addressed by you today. I pray that my words would, would ring true with your truth and that all of us today would benefit and grow. Draw our attention to Jesus, our, our treasure, our Savior, our joy, and the gain that is worth more than anything. In Jesus' name, amen. Wisdom and wealth. I want to consider a definition of wealth because a sermon like this immediately meets a lot of people who say, well, yeah, I would, I would put this sermon to work if I had wealth. If I had that kind of thing, if I was Jeff Bezos, then I would definitely listen to this. But I'm not, so hey, it'll just be good. I'll kind of shut down for the next 30 minutes, and uh, then I'll head on out. Don't do that, okay? Here's what Webster defines wealth as. An abundance of valuable possessions or money. I think the key word there would be abundance. Uh, it's not... It's not just that you have valuable possessions or money, it's that you have an abundance. So then you have to clarify, okay, when we say abundance, what does that mean? Uh, and it's relative, isn't it? Abundant compared to uh, my neighbor or compared to the person sitting three rows in front of me or, you know, deficient compared to others. So that's the challenge we have when we come to the Bible. There is no formula for identifying this is exactly what you are to do if you make this amount of money. And if you make this amount of money, then do this. It, it doesn't exist. We're left to employ the principles of Scripture teaching on this topic and be wise 
and seek the wisdom of the word in how we deal with valuable possessions and money. I would take issue, though, with Webster, which I know is a dangerous thing because he's the, the final word, but uh, here's what I would suggest there's more to be said than just this definition. I would add this. Our wealth is captured in the abundance of treasure, the, you know, valuable possessions, money, uh, but also talent and time. I have seen in ministry work over the years some people who don't bring a lot of treasure to the table, but God has blessed them with incredible opportunities with their time. And they come and they just say, what can I do? I've got time. How can I be a blessing? What can I do to serve? What can I do to help? And that is wealth. That is a treasure, but it's not the limited version that Webster defines. Talents. What do you do with the abundance of talent that God has given you? That is also a, a build-out of how we consider wealth, that which we have been given. So think of the three T's of wealth, treasure, talent, and time. Treasure, talent, and time. Now let's come with that in view, knowing that that brings all of us to the table, doesn't it? W with whatever resource God has given us, we all have uh, this, this, this broader definition of God's blessing in our life to one degree or another. And so this is a sermon that addresses us all. Whether we're just starting in our career or whether we're retired and enjoying the, the, the fruits of our labor over an entire career. We're all here together sitting to, to receive this word. This is what the wisdom of, of Proverbs says. King Solomon said this, Honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the first fruits of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. The image here is that you will have an abundance. This is an agricultural society, and so we're talking about full barns and full vats. This is the blessing of God. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. One thing we have to remind ourselves is whenever we're in the Proverbs, we're not talking about a formula here. Sometimes people will, will read a proverb, and they'll say, that is a formula then. So if I do these things, God owes me. He is obliged to do this. And some of this abuse that you've seen, especially related to wealth and financial things, is the abuse of these kinds of things from Scripture. If you sow this, $10 bill, God's going to give you $100. He has to, because that's what he said he would do. And now, send it all to me, right? And I'll send you some holy water as he turns his faucet on in his bathroom and sends it to you in the mail. Don't fall for that stuff. That's just, that's just selfish gain. There's nothing new under the sun. That's been happening for years and years. So then, if this is not a prescription, if this describes a principle, what are we to gain from this? What can we learn from this? Honor the Lord with your wealth. How do we do that? What does it look like to, to actually do that? Okay, so Monday, I want to honor the Lord with my time, talent, and treasure. How do I do that? Well, here is a, a bit of a, a, a glance into this direction. He builds it out by saying, and with the first fruits of all of your produce. So if you're a, a farmer, uh, then this first fruits was established of old. This was a practice in Israel 
the, the offering of first fruits. You bring your, your first and your best. Not a sacrifice that, that has blemish. You bring the best. So here we are, we're harvesting our, from our orchard in, the, in our front yard. And I've got some pears that look like they were mauled by a bear. Okay, I don't know what happened to those things. They are ugly. That's not my first or my best. Look for the pear that is perfect. And then say, that's the Lord's. That's for Him. That honors Him. That honors Him. How often do you read in the Old Testament of people who brought their leftovers to God as, a, as an afterthought? Well, I probably should do something for the Lord and, and honor Him. So here, have the three-legged lamb. No. Honor the Lord. Listen to this proverb. Proverb 14, 31. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults the poor man's maker. But he who is generous to the needy honors him. Honors who? The maker of the poor man. So, here is one way that we see this building out. At least from the Proverbs, there is a, a generosity with our treasure, time, talent that honors God when we push it outward to others, to those in need. This is an honoring of the Lord. What is the function then of this? Well, when we take what He has given us and we push it out to those in need, we do a kind of an echo of what He's done for us. It's a spotlight, as it were, to the generosity of a God who was so good to us. And in turn, then we show a similar thing to His glory. Now, if we give to the needy and we say, hey, don't forget, name on the jersey. I did that. And we hold on and pat ourselves on the back. We have just committed an abomination. Why is that wrong? Because we're supposed to point in our generosity to the one who is the author of all generosity, to God Himself. Hmm. A stingy man hastens after wealth and does not know that poverty will come upon him. Here's another display of it. It's the reverse. This is dishonoring to the Lord. To be stingy, to be self-focused, to be a penny pincher who is not willing to, to be generous or to give. A stingy man. A, a one who would say no to pushing outward and pull inward. Hold it. Solomon says, he's coming toward poverty. Why is that? Why is that? Because God is not being reflected. The, the giver is not in view. He is not being honored. Hmm. Generosity, therefore, is one of the ways to honor the Lord. Honor Him. We, we point to Him with generous, uh, generous acts of kindness and goodness. And that involves not just treasure, but, but time and talents as well. We've seen that on display here. People have come this week, Thursday night, to put in time on the soundboard back there, cleaning the church, all kinds of ways to, to love and honor the Lord in generous gift of their time and talent. Hmm. Now the giver of wealth. So identifying wealth, what is it? And then considering where does it come from? Who is the giver of wealth? This is a fascinating proverb. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. 
the blessing of the Lord is what makes rich. If you, if you want to uh, see a business advance, then honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. Now, it, that's not a formula. Don't require of him to just fill in the exact amounts. But you can know in principle that a business owner that honors the Lord is going to be blessed by God in that business practice in many different ways. It is the Lord who makes rich the blessing of God. And he adds no sorrow with it. I can't help but, but go back to Joseph. Remember Joseph? He was sold into slavery by his brothers, falsely accused of something he didn't do, in prison, so he's there in prison. And you have a choice. What are you going to do? Well, he chose to honor the Lord. And God put his favor on Joseph, and before long he was running the jail. And then, not long after that, running Egypt. So seek the favor of God. Seek to please Him, to honor Him, and you will be blessed. You will be blessed in the ways that God deems best for you. King Solomon's wise request. Solomon understood this, and it's a fascinating exchange that we see happen in Scripture. Uh, The Lord came uh, at night and appeared to Solomon, and he said, Ask what I shall give you. King Solomon said to God, You have shown great and steadfast love to David my father and made me king in his place. O Lord God, let your word to David my father be now fulfilled, for you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. What's his request? Give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and come in before this people. For who can govern this people of yours, which is so great? God answered Solomon, because this was uh, was in your heart, and you have not asked for possessions, wealth, honor, or the life of those who hate you, and have not even asked for long life but have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may govern my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. What an awesome thing to hear from the Lord. I will also, so God does this as a a lavish giver. He adds then in, I will also give you riches, possessions and honor such as none of the kings had uh, who were before you and none after you shall have the like. Wow. So when Solomon writes these words of wisdom, he writes with the gift of wisdom given by God and as an extremely wealthy man, the most rich king that Israel knew, the one who had everything. He writes this wisdom and it blesses us today because there's nothing new under the sun. God is the giver of riches. What do you have that you did not receive, Paul says to the Corinthians, who were quite wealthy? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? This is a great question to preach to your soul over and over. When you get that bonus, when you get that promotion, when you get that advancement in your career, when things go well at work, what do you have that you have not received. And from who? The Lord. What do you have? You have nothing that you have not received from Him. Yes, you worked hard by His strength. 
He is the one who blesses, who makes rich. Now, the purpose of wealth. So identifying wealth, the giver of wealth. What is the purpose of wealth? Well, if we listened last week to the purpose of work, it's the same, isn't it? To glorify God. But I want to dial in a little more on it. The purpose of wealth set on display in some of these Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 and 25. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. You can just hear the wisdom of Solomon considering this. He's looking, he's identifying two contrasting types of behavior. And he's witnessed this. And then he says, Whoever brings blessing will be enriched. And one who waters will himself be watered. What's he saying? This is an echo of the stingy verse, right? If you hold back and you say, you know, I don't have time to, 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 to give to others. I don't, I don't want to share these gifts that God has given with others. I, I would rather keep this treasure for me. I worked hard for this. This is mine. Like, remember when you had a two-year-old in your home? Mine. I went around and I labeled all my stuff, property of Jeremy. It's mine. It's in us to do this, isn't it? That's an instinct. That's an autopilot. This is mine. To suffer want. Yet one gives freely and grows all the richer. The Lord will bless those who display open-handed willingness to love that just pour out the blessings that God gives. We have been given in order to glorify. We have been blessed in order to be a blessing. You see the flow here? It comes to us by the hand of God and it's to, to, to return His praises to go back up to Him and then to point to Him in acts of kindness and generosity. Just as Abraham was blessed to be a blessing to the nations. He was made quite rich by God with a purpose. Be a blessing. Be a blessing. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, Paul says it this way, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, last week, right? Doing honest work with his own hands. Why? What's the purpose of that? Well, not only is he going to supply for his needs, but then Paul says this. So rather than stealing, which is the instinctual, sinful, autopilot thing, I live for me, I'll even take things that aren't mine for me, now I'm working, but the goal is to have something to share with someone in need. Look at the gospel change there. What happens to a thief when he meets Jesus? He becomes a generous giver who works hard, honest wage, and then shares. He pushes it outward. Hmm. So I would ask this question. Are you a pipe or a pot? A sieve or a cistern? Here's what I'm getting at. We have been given by God in order to give. What happens, especially in the American mindset, is, uh, it is, it is, is do what you can to collect and gather and store up and save. And so we, we have a pot and then the Lord fills it up and we say, well, man, I need a bigger pot. 
let's get a bigger one, and then a bigger one, and then, my goodness, the water just keeps coming in, and how am I going to hold all this? Well, we need two pots, so we just start filling pots, and God is saying all the time, where's the pipe? Where does it go? I'm, I'm sending it to you to send it out to those in need, to meet uh, those, those opportunities that I've brought before you. A pipe is one who is blessed by God and then enjoys showering his blessings outward to move it through. A sieve, you think of, of the water coming into your life and then in a, in a thousand different ways just spreading out to meet needs for his glory. Hmm. This is my grandfather, my mom's dad. I think that's me right there. Must have been early on in life. My older brother, Matt, by two years. My grandfather was a very sharp and gifted businessman. He ran Columbia Lighting over in Spokane and oversaw the entire Inland Empire of uh, that business. He also worked for Zenith and was high up in the Zenith Corporation back in the day. God gifted that man and uniquely blessed him, and he made a lot of money. And here's what none of us really knew in, in, in the fuller picture. I don't think any, anyone will ever really know this side of glory, but at his funeral, person after person began to stand up and just share some of the different ways that he had blessed them. One of the things we learned is that my grandfather uh, came to a point in his life where he said 10% was was inaccurate, the, the tithe, right? That's the 10%. That's a guideline. But my grandfather said, you know what? I think we can live on less than 90% of, of the income. And so he increased that. He doubled it to 20%. And on top of that, he found opportunities everywhere to meet needs, to bless. Missionary kids, he would always take shopping when they came home. And on and on and on. The stories just were overwhelming to whose glory? To God's glory. That was God's work in my grandfather's life. Hmm. I love to see generous-hearted, God-honoring people blessed. Every time my grandpa received a, a bonus, every single person that was under his banner benefited from it. Every missionary got a bonus check. It's not, let's get a new boat, let's put in a pool, let's buy more pots and fill them with resources and hold them and store them. It was, what can we do to send it out? Where's the need? How can we bless? He loved it. And it glorified God. It honored the Lord. It set an, an amazing example for our family as the years went by. John Piper tells of the dump truck guy. I don't remember his name. It was a weird name. This guy invented these gigantic dump trucks, you know, the kind that you stand in the tire and it's huge. He, he, he created these things and then he made millions and millions of dollars by selling them all around the world. And he got to the place in his life where he was making so much money that he began to tithe to himself. He lived off of 10% and gave 90% away to meet needs and, and, and move the gospel kingdom work forward. 
That's what I'm talking about. Now, most of us are not in that position, okay? Most of us are not there. However, I think sometimes we limit that 10% mark and just operate on the assumed 90, and God might be, in fact, filling our pots up and saying, hey, there's more pipes that you can put in to send some of this out. What, what might it look like? How could we move? Hmm. The dump truck guy. We're going to get to know him in heaven. I'm looking forward to it. What an awesome story. Do we multiply homes, cars, storage facilities? Or can we find ways to put the pipes in and send out those blessings? That stands out in this day, doesn't it? It stands out. Hmm. Now, the hazards of wealth. We would be remiss if we did not get to this. I mean, this is an important piece. The Proverbs have a lot to say on this. The, the Scripture is loaded with warnings about wealth. Even Jesus, we were reminded, said, it's very difficult for the rich to inherit the kingdom. When you have all your needs met materially, you, you, you have a hard time seeing past that to what you actually need. Hmm. Whoever trusts in his riches, King Solomon says, will fall. But the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. What is the righteous? He who honors the Lord. He who depends upon the Lord. He who makes the Lord his rock, his fortress, his deliverer. Don't look to your 401k to do what only the Lord can do. It will, it will fail you. It is uncertain. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. In our New Testament view, whose righteousness, we would answer? Jesus. The righteousness of Christ. That's the riches we have, my friends. He is the treasure hidden in the field. Go sell all that you have to gain Christ. All I have is Christ. and He is enough. Riches do not profit. They cannot save. They will not deliver Take care, Jesus says, and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. We need, to, we need to have this in front of us. We live in a society that is uniquely blessed. We, my friends, compared to most of the world, are extremely wealthy. To have indoor plumbing. I mean, we were watching the slides last night at the night in Bangladesh with Kathleen. The, I mean, if you have an electric stove, I'm not even talking gas, okay? If you have an electric stove, you are blessed. You are wealthy. You can stand and cook. Those folks over there, they're squatting on the ground and they're cooking uh, over the coals. We are so blessed. And yet the warning then must meet us. Take care. Be on your guard. Your life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. That, that's as clear as it gets. What does money want to be? Your sinful autopilot heart, it, it, will, it will turn it into God. 
an idol, one to bow before the mighty dollar. It wants your heart. It's not money that's, that's wrong or sinful. It's the love of money. It's bowing to it, serving it, making it master and Lord. Why do you go to work then? What's the goal of, of, of your career, of your business? Do you want to succeed and why? Yes, succeed. Yes, make loads of money, but why? Why? Because, my friends, we have been given a great commission. And, and that mission can be funded by those who are extremely successful in their work with massive generosity. Reminded of the church, the New Testament church. Where was that? Was it Laodicea? Out of their extreme poverty and joy, there welled up in them unbelievable generosity to help the saints in Jerusalem such that they had to tell them, stop giving. Stop giving. That's a purpose. That's a mission. That is the kind of thing that can happen in ordinary, everyday folks. Hmm. Reminded of this, Paul speaks of those who deserted him in 2 Timothy. It was a dark time for the Apostle Paul. And then he says this about Demas, someone who was by his side in gospel ministry. Demas in love with this present world has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Do not be in love with this present world, my friends. Hmm. That's a warning. That means it's not just out there. It can happen in here. It can happen in here. The love of money the deceitfulness of money can get hold in your heart and literally cause you to desert the faith. Walk away. Chase after a sinking ship. Those who desire to be rich, Paul says, fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and, and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils and through this craving, you hear the, the build-out? It's that love. Through this craving, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. For what? For, for my best life now, right? That's what I want. I want this kingdom right here that I can see and enjoy. I want the, the power and the prestige. I want to have the stuff that makes people know I made it. It's all going to burn. It's all going to burn. Hmm. There must be a better way. And Christian, there is a better way. There, there is a better way. A far more satisfying and joy-filled way. And that's the way of wisdom. Listen to these verses. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Uh, now there is great gain in godliness with contentment, for we brought nothing into the world. And guess what? We can take nothing out of the world. If we have food and clothing with these, we'll be content. Now, how do you do this? How do you do this? The question begs, hey, if I'm running a business, uh, how, how do I pursue that kind of contentment and yet want my business to flourish and succeed? 
And here's the answer. You identify the motive. Why, Lord, am I praying that you would bless the work of my hands? Why would I love to see my business succeed and flourish? And, and, and to what benefit? More pots? Bigger barns? Or the leveraging opportunity of taking that blessing and sending it out for your glory? That's a great reason to work hard and succeed and make millions. But if all you can come up with is more Lamborghinis and more vacation homes and more stuff, you've missed the whole point. That is the world. That is, that is the call, the pull of the world. Hmm. Jesus said this, it's more blessed to give than to receive. More blessed to give. The satisfaction. I love it when I see rich people do this. People who have been blessed beyond imagination are just like, I love giving. I love to give. In fact, in Michigan, there's all kinds of people who work full-time to find ways to give money away. I had a buddy that I worked with as a pastor in a church. He got hired by what corporation was that? Uh, Gordon Food Services. This guy is a strong believer, and he hired my friend to come and work and full-time, 40 hours a week, try to find reputable ways to unload his money to the end of gospel advancement around the world. My friend did that for 10 years. It's so cool. Most of us, are, again, we're not in that place, but you see, the, you see the, the push of that, the goal. In whatever capacity, God gives us that opportunity. That's our goal. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. There's a good description of it. But where? Where do you put your hope? Put it on God. Put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. What are we to do then? We are to do good and to be rich in good works. That's a great way to think of it. That's a goal. Lord, I want to be rich. Make me rich in good works for your glory. Yes, yes. Be generous, ready to share. See the outward push? This is the pipe. Storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. If you want to live your best life now, you might experience that, but the life to come is going to be awful. Don't fall prey to that false advertisement. Live your life for the one to come. That's True life, that's unending life, unfading glory and crowns. Lay up eternal treasure. Remember the telescope. Keep your life focused on what is coming so that you live well in the present with what God has given. Let's close with this verse. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You see what he's saying? He's, he's saying there is a way to work now in an eternal focus that will bring reward someday. It will come. You can lay up treasure in heaven where moth 
nor rust destroys. And there's no thieves that can break in and steal that treasure. And then he says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where is your treasure? Where is your heart? Are you living and walking in this life presently with an eye to eternity? Is that how you're spending your days? Young people, as you think about your career, as you think about your goals for your life, what is it that you want your life to count for more than anything else? These are the kinds of questions we must ask. In my retirement, when I retire, how can I employ time, talent, and treasure to the glory of God and the advancing of this mission to the ends of the earth? What does that look like? This is exciting. Retirement is just the beginning. It's not the, it's not the end. So our response this morning. Treasure, talent, and time. Where are you at with these? Has God this morning kind of pricked your heart, identified maybe an area, something of an idol, maybe an area where the whisper has been received and listened to, maybe something that you have, you hold too tightly to, and if you're honest, it may even be an idol in your life. This is the opportunity. This is where the hearing of the Word moves then to the doing of the Word. just want to say a word of, 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 of gratitude. This little church has been used by God to mobilize a global kingdom work that is exciting. I still can't really understand how that's happened. We've launched three full-time missionaries from this little church, and we've been able to take the lion's share of the financial support on in doing so. Praise God for that. Good work. So be encouraged and there's more work to do. And it could be that God is stirring in your heart to say, what else? Where else? How else? Can I take this, this blessing filled life and push it out for His glory? Pour it out and spread it out. Four points. Trust and treasure Jesus above all else. Don't ever forget this. The deceitfulness of riches, it is shaky, it is uncertain, but Jesus Christ is the rock. He is the one you are to trust. He is the treasure of all treasures. If anything comes in front of Him, get rid of it. It's not worth it. Don't let any competing treasure come close to Jesus Christ in your life. That's the greatest way you can honor God. Number two, honor God with your first and your best. One of the joys of receiving uh, our income is that first act in your budget, however you do it. Make your, your gift to the Lord the first thing you do. Take it right out from the beginning in worship and praise. Thank you, Lord. Look at what you've given. This is for you and your kingdom. And then you work through your budget and you're thinking creatively, how can we move this around and adjust things so that there's more ways we can give? Maybe for you, 10% is, is just not possible right now. That's okay. Give to the hurting point. Think of the widow who gave her two pennies. 
Don't think formula. Think from the heart. Lord, I love you. I treasure you. This is for you. Maybe 10% is not even close to enough. Who knows? Let the Lord lead. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. We keep a careful guard on the accounting of our books here. I don't have a clue what any of you give, and I never want to. It's no desire of mine. That's between you and the Lord. But the principle stands. Be generous. What could we do to change the world? Number three, be a blessing with your blessings. Be a blessing with your blessings. If the Lord gives you a a vacation home, find a way to leverage it to be a blessing to others. That's awesome. Praise God for a vacation home. Now, find a way to use it for more than just you, right? If you have a boat, then I love this. This happens all the time. Find a way to use that boat that God has given to bless others. Push it out. Number four, live for what lasts. Live for what lasts. Don't pour yourself into the fleeting chasing of the mirage of the American dream because at the end of the day, it's just a dream. It's just a dream. What will satisfy is Jesus Christ and the mission that he has called us to is great. And so we band together. We need one another in this, in time, in talent, and in treasure, and we work hard to further the kingdom of Jesus Christ, both in this county and around the world. Let's pray. Father, this meets us in a very close way. It it comes into some of those areas where sometimes we feel nervous about letting you in. We're afraid of what you might do if if you really have all of our finances and and we surrender all of our possessions to you and, and what might you ask of us and Yet we know they're yours anyway. We are but stewards of all that you have given. What do we have that we have not received from you? And what is the purpose? Lord, help us be sharp, be clear to, in, in our motivation as we work and in our calculation as we receive from your hand these blessings, these treasures, time and talent. Use, Lord, use us to bless. Help us to push out to find ways to, in a, in a tangible and, and, and powerful kingdom-minded way, leverage that which you have given us to be a blessing, that others may know the name of Jesus, that, that some may be raised up and supported in full to, to carry the, uh, the gospel message around the world. Lord, I thank you for the generosity of the saints here at Good Shepherd. You are glorified and honored in that. There have been countless things done uh, behind the scenes, I'm sure, to meet needs in, in ways that I don't even know about. That is to your glory. Make us even more attuned to this. And Lord, give us opportunities to push outward, to be a blessing, to be pipes and not pots. In Jesus' name, amen.